So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102FM, which is a Come and See Inspirations production, being produced here in our Come and See studio here in Ida, and this the 20th of September, the 25th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme again this morning, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Thanks a lot for joining me here in studio this morning. Uh, Shane will ju- just advise us all in a few minutes as to who he's got joining us in part two. We've got a very special guest. Stay for that this morning. But we want to welcome especially those listeners who are housebound. Those who are lonely and struggling in some way. And of course, the news isn't good news sometimes these days. But uh, a part of our Christian faith tells us that we must keep that hope alive. And this is what we try to do in the program. We try to share some of that hope with listeners each, each uh, Sunday morning. And that, of course, includes... And Sunday evening, then of course includes the, the Sunday Gospel. Our program is broadcast in West Limit 102 FM, uh, 102 FM at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Of course, if people know at this stage, the 10 a.m. slot is uh, handed over to our broadcasting at Mass from Abbeyfield Parish. Um, we've had a Tony Mullins, and we thank indeed the parishioners of Abbeyfield, uh, Abbeyfield Parish for facilitating us because their normal Mass would have been 9.15. So thanks again to all of those in Abbeyfield who allowed us to do that. Our regular programme, the one we're actually recording at the moment, it goes out at 11pm uh, on Sunday night. And, of course, you can get a podcast of that by just Googling, actually, Come and See Inspirations. So just Google Come and See Inspirations. It's on buzzbread.com. You don't need to know that. Come and See Inspirations will do fine. And you get us there. We're, we're, we're available to be heard on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. And as usual, uh, you can contact us, and we'd like it to contact us, please. Uh, with any comments, suggestions, music suggestions, uh, whatever it might be, uh, text us on 087 6088 That's 087-6088-667. Or email us at inspirations at com. So with this part of the programme, we'll invite Shane to share some saints for the week for us, please. Thanks, John. So uh, this week, as John said, it's 25th week in Ordinary Time. So those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week one. So Monday is the 21st of September, and it's the feast day of St. Matthew, the hymn who was the apostle and the evangelist. Now, I always have a bit of a, a thing for the 21st of September, John, because back in the days when I used to work as an accountant, the 21st of September used to be a very important deadline for filing tax returns. Okay. And St. Matthew is the patron saint of accountants, bookkeepers, tax collectors, customs officers and security guards. And uh, he was said to have been a missionary to Persia and Ethiopia, so Persia being modern-day Iran. Is he any help to those of us who might have a problem in filling out our taxes? <laughs> well, you can, always, you can always ask him. You can always ask him. So Tuesday the 22nd. Now, this time, I went a little far afield for this one. So the, the saints we're going to have for this week are the Martyrs of the Theban Legion. So they were about uh, they were a group of, of soldiers in the Roman army who were Christian. They were brought over from Egypt to fight the wars in Gaul, which is modern-day France. And ahead of a battle, an important battle, sacrifices were offered to the gods and to the emperor. And they refused to do it because they were Christian. And because of that, um, they were decimated. So they, first of all, they took them in the, every tent one and killed them. And then they still refused to do it. So they went and repeated the process and so on and so forth. So it depends. Depending on which way you read the legend or the story or, or about these particular martyrs, you either had 520 of them killed or 6,600 of them killed. It's a bit of a difference. But anyway, that's one of the one of the saints, or groups of the saints we remembered this week. The 23rd, of course, is a very important day for many people. The 23rd of September is the feast day of Padre Pio, St. Pius of Petro, Petrosolina. 
And of course, Padre Pino, famous saint, Capuchin friar, uh, born in uh, born in Italy and uh, ordained, well, joined the Capuchins at the age of 15, was ordained at the age of 22, and of course, very famous for having received the stigmata, the wounds of Christ on the cross, and the first priest to be so to do so. And he died in 1968, and he was canonized by John Paul II in 2002. Thursday the 24th is the feast day of Our Lady of Walsingham. Now, we've covered that before on this Rage program. So Walsingham is the, the Marian shrine of our, in, the, in England. Uh, as Knock is to Ireland, Walsingham would be to the UK. It would be to England, sorry. And, of course, very much associated um, medieval shrine dedicated to the Holy House of, of Nazareth and particularly devotion with Loreto. Founded but destroyed during the Reformation by Henry VIII, currently undergoing a, a I suppose, a renaissance, uh, both from the point of view of the Catholic Church, but also in the Anglican Communion. And um, and uh, uh, so that's on Thursday, 24th. It's Our Lady of Walsingham. Then on Friday, the 25th, we have the feast day of St. Fenbar. Fenbar, of course, very much associated with Gugan Barra in Cork. And very much, of course, associated with the founding of the city of Cork, uh, as that was the place where his monastery was, uh, in, and is from there the city has grown. Uh, then And then Saturday is the feast day of St. Cosmas and Damien's. Early, martyr, early martyrs in Syria, patrons of physicians or doctors, and, they, uh, the one, and they're known as the holy moneyless ones in the Eastern Church since they never took money for their medical services. So that's what we have, John, in terms of the celestial guides for this week. And just to remind people as well that we are still in the season of creation. If people want to um, download the resources from the Bishop's Conference website and also from Trocra, and we covered a program in May on Laudato Si. If you want to listen back to that interview with Jane Mellis from Trocra, about um, the Pope Francis's encyclical on care for our common home. Putting, putting you on the spot. The season of hope. What's the, what's the difference between that? Is the season of creation? Is that the same sort of thing as, or, or just an extension to Laudato Si, is it? It actually predates Laudato Si. It was okay. um, something that was actually established by the Orthodox Church on which Pope Francis took on when he became Pope. Uh, so we're, um, the Catholic Church is a bit late to the party on this one. <laughs> okay. okay, thank you very much indeed. Okay, I just said I'd ask anyway. Okay, now the other thing to just cross my mind here now is we, and we mentioned this before, but it might be no, no better day to mention it here again as it's coming up towards the end of the church's liturgical year. I know it's about five or six or seven weeks away. But you use, or we always use it here in the programme to help us out, this liturgical calendar. 2020. If somebody wanted to think about getting that within the next few weeks, where would they, where, where, where would they get it and, and how? Uh, well, I suppose the first question is whether or not it will actually be published. So it's published oh, yeah, It's yeah. published by Veritas. Um, so And it's generally not available until kind of the second week of October. Second, 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 third week of October. Uh, sorry, um, end of October, second, second week of November. I beg your pardon. And it is published by Veritas, and it is generally available um, in a, from a Limerick point of view. You'd get it at the Abbey Bookshop generally, and sometimes I think the Redemptorist might have a few copies. Yeah, but the reason why I'm thinking about this, and the reason why I mentioned now this morning, because in these times of restrictions and so on and so forth, and there's talks about further what they call lockdowns and restrictions and so on and so forth, and we don't know really what's going to happen in terms of even being able to attend mass, maybe in some parts of the country. But one of the resources within this particular 
and a little book that we speak about this liturgical calendar for each day it does reference the readings for the day mm-hmm. so at least somebody can say well okay I might meant to get to mass but like for instance uh, tomorrow Monday the 21st the gospel is from Matthew chapter 9 verse 9 to 13 so at least we can you can reflect through it and maybe even even a chance for people even to prepare for next week's gospel they might be able to have the text in front of them but they might have a bible at home or a new testament at home which might enable them to use this i just thought it might be a little bit of a, a resource for people to take to to take with them speaking of uh last week we took we, we had a program about resources for the radio program now we had mentioned the magnificat magazine which the irish catholic mm. is the um the seller for in ireland and also a number of a number of shops used to would sell it as well just to say to people that's actually available online um, they have opened it up so that you can access it if you have an online access to it. I uh, would recommend this particularly for people that are kind of staying at home and are watching or participating in liturgies online. It'd be good to have it in front of you. It has a morning and evening prayer as well. Another option for that, actually, if you didn't particularly want to use the Magnificat one, is Give Us This Day. It's from Liturgical Press now. It's a U.S. Um, I suppose it's I suppose it's 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 a US product more than anything else. It's the same idea as as the Magnificat. So what it does is it gives a morning and evening prayer, simplified version, gives the mass readings for the day, and it gives reflections and, and other bits and pieces throughout the magazine for the month as well. So just that's that's an op- another option as well. And that's available from um Loyola Liturgical Press if people were looking for that online. And just just one more little addition there to to resources. Now that I mentioned resources last week, um, it just happened that when my when my wife and I were just shopping, even in Newcastle West in the local supermarket, there was there was a there was a few other little magazines. Uh, Saint Martin's magazine was there, for instance, and it's it's only a few pence. Lovely little uh, reflections and uh, and uh, write ups in it. But anyway, at this part of the program, there's a spirit of communion prayer that we always pray for those most of us maybe these days who can't get to mass. Uh, maybe on a Sunday, never mind a weekday. And this is a prayer that we can indeed invite Jesus to join us in our hearts. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Now, just before we go for our first bit of music this morning, Shane, would you like to just advise listeners as to who might be joining us in part two this morning? So on part two this morning, we're delighted to welcome back to the programme Sister Helen Kilhan from the Children's Grief Project in uh, in, in Limerick. So um, we'd be delighted, we'll be talking to her in part two of the programme. Lovely. Now we'll go for our first bit of music this morning. So our first piece of music, it's just kind of um, a kind of an intro to part two of the programme. And just a little bit of reflection, I suppose, this morning. It's in Paradisium, and it's sung by the the singers of King's College in Cambridge. Cambridge. Okay, so join us again in part two, where Shane will be chatting with Sister Helen Culhan.
And welcome back, listeners, this morning to Sacred Space 102, a Come and See production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose. I'm delighted to be with you this morning and still in studio. I, we're controlling the ship of state, as we'd call it. We have my friend, John Keeley. Good morning, John. I'm still your friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, we are delighted to welcome on the programme this morning uh, a lady that was with us quite a number of years ago, but who many people in Limerick will know of and know of her good work with the Children's Grief Centre. So good morning, Sister Helen Calhan. How are you keeping? Well, good morning, Shane. I'm keeping great. And it's lovely to um, to be to hear your lovely voice again. Thank you very much. And it's, we're delighted to have you on the programme. Now, Sister Helen, um, I suppose many people will be familiar uh, in Limerick, maybe, of, of the project that you work with, the Children's Grief Project. But just before we, we, we've invited you on this morning just to talk about, I suppose, this, this, the subject of, I suppose, how to cope with grief in this particular time that we're living in, particularly dealing with COVID and everything else. But before we get into that, uh, for those of our listeners that mightn't know about the Children's Grief uh, Centre, um, what is it and what is it that you do? Um, Children's Grief Centre, uh, we're up and running now 11 years. Uh, we were founded in 2009 and we support children where parents have separated, divorced or where there has been a bereavement. And initially when I set it up, I knew there'd be some interest, but I've been totally blown away by the demand for the service. Uh, for example, as I sit here now, I have o- I have over 300 children on the waiting list. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, so what we're providing is uh, it's very simple, but it's the feedback I get both from the children, the young people and their parents is that it's very effective, that we provide support. So for children between four and six, they normally will play. We have a beautiful uh, setting here on the grounds of Westbourne Convent and the beautiful centre. Uh, they will play, but through their play, their feelings emerge. Then young people between or children between seven and 12 we have a workbook, but all of this is optional. And then for young people between 13 and 18, we simply um, sit and listen. So what we're providing is a listening service. Young people tell me they really like it because it's not um, it's not counselling or therapy. We t- take referrals only directly from parents. Lots of schools are aware of us and we're recommended via schools. The same via GPs would phone asking about the service. But we always direct them back to the parents because I have learned over 40 years now of working, I suppose, in various areas within kind of with families that really the most important people in the child's lives are the parents. And uh, so that's what we do. Initially, I was on my own, but I've been extremely fortunate. Uh, We now have Teresa Kavner, who works full time uh, with the children Monday to Friday. And then I have Kieran in Nulaw and she comes in Thursday and Friday. There are two paid staff. I also have full-time admin, Helen McInery, a Clare woman, but we won't hold that against her. <laughs> and then Fiona O'Sullivan, who recently joined us, and she works three days a week, and they're paid staff. And then we have a number, or then only within the last two years, we took on a part-time fundraiser, Katrina Morgan. And Katrina recently has been joined joined by Carol, who's in our fundraising department. And the reason we have taken on um, a fundraiser was that we saw that the need for this service is huge and our premises here is quite small, very nice. So we now have a huge project ahead. It's not the best time to be fundraising, 
but we're actually, we have been gifted a most beautiful building on the grounds of the Mount Convent by the Mercy Sisters, which I have, I'm a Mercy Sister, as you know, and I'm so grateful. But we're going to be doing a big reconfiguration of that building, and uh, I'll be announcing more about it in January. But it's going to, it's very exciting in that last year, I went to my first time to America, and I went to Portland, and I visited a most beautiful children's grief center. So I've come back with just what wonderful ideas. ideas. Okay, very and good. I just want to, I just want to mention there that we have four wonderful um, volunteers, uh, Mary Brown, who is from Broadford. Mary has volunteered with the center. She's a retired career guidance teacher. Mary has been with us 10 years. Mary comes in once a week and would work with three children per week. And then we have Beryl Carswell. Beryl, some people may know, was a play specialist in the regional. Then another lady, Ita Hannan. Ita worked as an addiction counsellor with the help board. And then Mary Power, a teacher. So they're all retired, but they are absolutely wonderful and essential to our service. That's that's it's a wonderful and it's it's great work that you do and I, I just to say, Sister Helen, when you when you do get organised for that plan in, in January time, we must have you back on the program and and to talk about it and so that you can share uh, with our listeners here in West Limerick as well. I'd I'd be delighted to do that, Jane. Great. Listen, thanks a million. Now, <clears throat> I suppose. Um, I suppose one of the things that struck us recently uh, uh, when we were just talking about things in, in COVID uh, is the whole way that we are dealing with grief as a community and and as a society. And I suppose when I was overseas, one of the things that people would say to me is, well, you'd go to Greeks for the, Greece for the wedding and Ireland for the funerals. And it was mm. kind of something that was part of who and what we are in terms of our 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 respect and our our assistance with dead and dying. And I suppose in the last couple of months, that's all been very much thrown up into the air. But I suppose before we get into that, I suppose it's kind of way, what, you know, what, what's your own thought about it and, and what COVID has, has meant in terms of how we, how we understand and deal with grief? I suppose, Shane, I find it heartbreaking to be quite, to be totally honest, uh, because yes, it, as you described there, as a society, we were absolutely superb in supporting our our grieving and bereaved people, and we all know and for the, like we we have all been bereaved. And what what normally helps when you see your friend coming in or a loved one or getting a hug, uh, someone uh, shaking hands with you, telling you how sorry that they were, and all of this is so important in the grieving process. And I just find it horrific now that. We, we, we can't do that, like we can't mm. go to funerals. And I've thought a lot about it because I suppose, especially because of the work that I'm in. So for me, what I think we have to do now is we have to look at new ways of supporting our bereaved families. And even in, I live in Balnacora here in Limerick City and some weeks ago, a neighbor of ours died. And I was really touched by all the neighbors came out and we stood and, uh, and the family asked that we would sing a hymn and uh, it, I, I remember, I thought, I remember standing there thinking to myself, I never thought I'd see this day. But the other part of me said, well, we have to look at other ways now. So that's one way which I think is very important. And and going back then maybe to the the old way of writing to families who have been bereaved, letting them know that we are there, we are thinking about them, we care about them because that's so important. Uh, 
So we have to look at other ways of supporting our, and I suppose our service here then we, we say, because we focus on children, that the children can come in and talk to us about their loved ones that have died. And this might sound a bit sentimental, but I think it's very important. I always say to children and to adults as well, that, you know, those we love, that, you know, our hearts might appear to be very small when we look at some, maybe look, look at a heart drawn out, but I think our hearts are enormous. Like we can carry those we love in our hearts and no one can take that from us. But I'm going back to what you're asking me. Like we have to look at new ways mm. of supporting our um, our bereaved families. One thing that struck me about it, I suppose, in, in when I when I was thinking about like yourself just, just before the interview and things like that, one of the things that struck me about it is there was almost three ways that we've had to deal with grief in the last couple of months. Because first of all, we've had the families where people have died from the, the virus itself. And oh. I don't know about you, but if, if you remember that um, primetime documentary that was done on St. James's, and I said you, you would have to have the heart of a stone watching it not to feel for the families that were involved. And, and the fact that, you know, you had people that because of the disease in many ways, in some ways, they were almost dying on their own. And to me, yeah. it, it brought back um, images, particularly from the early 1980s and particularly the early onset of the, um, the AIDS crisis and where people were, were almost shunned because of the illnesses that they had. So, so mm-hmm. that, was, that was one thing that struck me about it was the fact that and people dying alone. And I think that hurts. That hurts a lot of people. I think it hurts a lot of Irish people yeah. because we're very conscious of that whole thing of not letting a person go alone, that mm-hmm. there's someone with them uh, no matter what. Then the second thing that struck me was about, as you said already, you have families that in the normal course of life where we have bereavements at the moment, and we're circumscribed in terms of the usual, as you said, processes and ways that we can support families and the interesting ways that families or the communities have rallied around. And like you said, in particular, that they're coming out onto the street doors, uh, writing to one. I, what I stru- what was struck me about it was the, the people leaving messages on the, the likes of RIP.ie. Yeah, yeah. Was, you know, and then the third thing, the third group that struck me about it was the fact that we as a community and as a country we have lost opportunities if you like and the, yeah. gr- the grief and the sorrow that can arise from that and in particular I suppose given all, everything that's gone on at the moment for the Leaving Cert students I was thinking of you know if you're if you're starting school or fin- starting secondary school or finishing secondary school you know the things that the, the, the things that you would do to mark the passage of time and for us, I suppose, as a community, I suppose we need to be aware of that and the different types of grief that people are going to go through. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And I had, I suppose, the privilege of working in Milford Hospice for nine years. And I worked there with the dying. That was a lot of my work and the bereaved. And I learned so much from the dying, uh, I can assure you. But And I saw the value. I saw the value, like the value of your family members coming in, sitting by sitting by their loved ones and the dying also needed an opportunity sometimes it was to ask for forgiveness sometimes it was to tell their grown-up children how much they love them tell their grandchildren so what you're saying there and i think i'm i'm saying the same thing like all of that now is like it's so hard to understand this and uh, like what's happening when this is not happening mm. Yes, actually, that's a good way of putting it. What? How yeah. do we? How do? How do? How do we do it? I suppose it calls us to take, I suppose, maybe 
a leap of imagination. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think we like we have. You see, like in the beginning, I found myself really angry and angry because haven't experienced of being with the dying and known. Like I, you sit there and think, knowing what their isolation and mm. just being really angry about it. Mm-hmm. And then I decided one day, Helen, okay, fine, being angry for a bit, but you have to move on now and look at. What can you do? So I'm very conscious. And recently someone uh, had been on a board of management with a beautiful man died suddenly. And I remember going on what you said there and writing in. I never thought I'd be writing in on a computer. But yes, reading all the lovely messages about the particular gentleman that died um, and all of us that put him in from all different areas of his life. um, I thought, yes, his family will see this now. And that's important. Definitely. I think communication, I suppose, is is one of the key things, because um, what I suppose, like you said there, one of the one of the things that we very much associate with funerals, of course, is the, you know going to the funeral home or going to the par- going mm-hmm. to the house and shaking hands with the deceased. Now, I know myself for many years, I was kind of going, my God, why would you do this? But it's only when you're at the other side of it and you're receiving yeah. it that you appreciate how much it can actually mean that your neighbours or that your friends have come to be with you in that particular moment in time and to be able and that they are walking with you for that bit of that journey. Uh, and I yes. suppose it's, it's something that we have to remind ourselves that it is important. Oh, it's vital because I can remember like my dad died when I was 32 and I can remember a friend of mine uh, that I'd worked with many years previously had moved, was married up in Sligo. And I will never forget, and he died in 1991, so that's a long time ago, and, but I can still remember to this day seeing her face coming into the funeral parlor and the support that that was and the realization of the, like the sacrifice she made. Like she drove like over three hours down and went back the same night, but it never left me. Mm. And um, so like we know how important and I just pray that um, we get back to those times again. But we have to work then on other ways that we already have mentioned Mm. like you like your story there um when watching and listening to the stories for me i think one of the things was that it was you were you were, you, you said it was it was angry in one in one sense um that people were almost like dying on their own and like that story for me i actually think it was immense sadness mm. and particularly for older people and particularly for older people who i, I i'm think i was thinking particularly actually of my own grandmother and the whole thing of a good death that, you know that mm. whole belief in and and being being able to accompany a person uh, for for a good death and that I think for me it was just the sadness of it and the the pain of that for for many involved. If you were to say something to a community this morning, Sister Helen, just in terms of um, their our, our accompaniment through this period of change and transition and trying to understand it. Kind of, you know, I suppose there's people, they're tired at the moment with the whole COVID restrictions and rules and regulations, everything that's going on. It's been a tough uh, six, eight months for for us as a community. Um, But in terms of kind of just as for each of us who haven't necessarily had bereavement per se, but we've had that experience of loss. um, Mm. What kind of what what would strike you about it this morning? Um. Yes, because I know myself when I had closed down the Children's Grief Centre here in Limerick in March, like I was heartbroken. I can I, I can empathise. We all can empathise. And because I was thinking of all the children that we couldn't see. 
But as I have reflected over the last few months, I, I believe, you know, I suppose as Christian people, we have to be people of hope. And, you know, I was out walking before uh, uh, this morning before our chat and I was, you know, thinking and praying about, you know, what would I say during the interview? And what came to me, and I, you know, believe that, you know, it's the Holy Spirit was talking to me. Uh, what came to me was that, you know, Christ died on the cross and it was not a pretty sight. Mm. Good Friday was not a pretty sight. And every Good Friday when we celebrate Easter, but then what happens? We come to Easter Sunday and there is that rejoicing and hope and you know, I believe, you know, our life is for living and it's so important. We're all needed, regardless of age, we're all needed in some area of life, uh, whether it's at home minding the children, whether it's the grandparents, whether it's out teaching in the school, whether it's driving the bus, we're all needed and we're all needed to give hope to each other. And I, I just feel that's so important that uh, to find ways then, and I know for myself that, um, I don't know whether this would help people, but I even find getting out now in nature and just looking at, you know, the trees and the, the flowers who are still blooming and uh, just getting out there for a half an hour a day. And something that I started back on that has helped me and people will laugh now because I'm, I'm now 63, but about five years ago, I bought a bike and, and I hope you won't have a good laugh. I bought a racer and I bought the racer because it was very light. And I started, like I suppose as a teenager, I cycled to school. But even last Sunday now, I just got up on the bike and I went for, uh, uh, like people left for about 20 kilometres. I cycled out to beautiful Mungris and uh, I went in to visit the graveyard there. A few people that I had known are, are buried there. And just, and even when I came back, I was so glad that whereas maybe prior to last year, I would be maybe sitting in of a Sunday and just reading the paper all day. And I do think that finding those ways of, you know, keeping the mind healthy and the body and um, sharing with friends. And also, I think keeping up that hope that, you know, that Easter Sunday, you know, that Easter Sunday, that resurrection. And OK, we're, I don't fully understand this. And I, I do reflect like in many ways, like all the things we thought that were important in life are being taken from us. And I was one. I was going out to the Crescent doing my shopping in Tesco and I'd meet loads of people. And I'd be there all evening talking and I went out last Friday evening to do my grocery shopping and seeing everyone with a mask and no one talking to each other and people all looking nearly scared of each other. And um, and I just thought, like, how our world has changed. But I have a choice now. I have a choice that, you know, to look at that I'm alive. There's hope. We're all needed. Um, the re resurrection will come. Uh, as was the things that I like oh yes I found myself thinking last Friday evening when I was coming back like last Christmas and Stephen's Day and I feel a bit, I won't say guilty now but I wanted I saw this dress and I'm not a dress person really but I needed to get a dress and down I went to Brown Thomas's and St Stephen's Day and I got a dress as a great bargain but I can remember feeling really bad when I went in St. Stephen's Day because I looked around and there was all these young women working on St. Stephen's Day. And when, so I'm linking now, I hope I'm not waffling, I'm linking this now when I went down to the Crescent the other evening. It was very quiet. There was only a handful of people there. The shops were closing earlier. So we're being called maybe to some kind of quieter way of life. Mm -hmm. um, 
more balanced that I did. Helen, you don't need to be going to St. Stephen's Day in buying a dress. I, I hope now I haven't waffled on. Not at all. I, we get, I think we're, we're getting the point that you're making, I suppose, that COVID is calling us to very much kind of reconsider how we've approached things, maybe. And that maybe that within the whole madness of this time, there's opportunities if we can only uh, make the space, I suppose, to see them. Sister uh, Sister Helen, one of the things you had said to us when we were coming on the programme is that you had a reflection from uh, that you'd like to share with us. So would you like to tell us about it and then, and, to, and then to recite it for us? I would indeed. Uh, I used to love reading um, different reflections by the late Cardinal Basil Hume. And he wrote a lot on that. And following my own dad's death in 1991, and I found it very difficult and I didn't understand this and it was in great pain. And I came across this uh, in a, the forum, I think, at the time. So I read it. It's called, it was a piece written by Basil Hume. So I, my prayer is that he'll bring hope and consolation to people who are grieving. Grief cannot be shared, for it is mine alone. Grief is a dying within me, a great emptiness, a frightening void. It is loneliness, a sickening sorrow at night, an awakening, a, ter- a terrible dread. Another's words do not help. A reasoned argument explains little for having tried too much. Silence is the best response to another's grief, not the silence that is a pause in speech awkward and unwanted, but one that unites heart to heart. Love speaking in silence is the way into the void of another's grief. The best of all loves come silently and slowly too, to soften the pain of grief and begin to dispel the sadness. It is the love of God, warm and true, which will touch the grieving heart and heal it. He looks at the grieving person and has pity. For grief is a great pain. He came among us to learn about grief, and much else too, this man of sorrows. He knows, he understands. Grief will yield to peace in time. Sister Helen, thank you so much for that reflection from the late Cardinal Basil Hume. Just to finish out this part of the programme, we're going to have a piece of music now, and it's uh, sung by James Kilban. And it's a piece very much associated, I suppose, with the theme and kind of also links in with uh, that idea of resurrection, which Sister Helen reflected on. And it's called Going Home. Many times in my childhood when we traveled so far By nightfall, how weary I'd grow Father's arms would slip round me So gently he'd say My child, we're going home Go Of that day. 
So welcome back again to the third part of Sega Space 102 FM. I'm coming to you from our Come and See studio here in Ada. 
Thanks again to Sister Sister um, Helen for for joining us this morning and give us a lovely reflection. And thanks again for Shane for for leading leading uh, Sister Helen into reflecting. Now this is the most important part, however, of any program we do in, in, in any Sunday morning here, is we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel and the Word of God. And before that, we'll ask Shane to pray this prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, mm-hmm. Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. <clears throat> May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So now we'll invite Sister Helen to read this Sunday's Gospel for us. Thanks, Sister Helen. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who endowed dawn to hire labourers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the, landlord, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace and he said to them, you two go into my vineyard and I will give you what is just. So they went off, and he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the labourers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. And this is the Gospel of the Lord. Sister Helen, thank you so much for sharing that with us this morning. Have you got a thought you'd like to share in that little reflection, please, Sister? Yeah, I I remember like when I was preparing for this morning, I kind of thought this reading doesn't really make much sense. Uh, I didn't really like it that much. Uh, but then I, I found myself thinking how Jesus turns everything on its head. And he's not like us. He doesn't measure things like we measure them. 
and sometimes we might feel, oh, I deserve more than someone else. And what I found myself left with that how God gives love to everyone, maybe even the ones that we do not think deserve it. And maybe as human beings, we kind of we all compare each other and we ex we expect so much, and that we maybe can be judgmental. And I'm talking about myself. And what I was left with after reflecting on that gospel is that God treats all people equally. And maybe I'll finish on this. I remember again when I walked in Milford, it was a great lesson in life because what I discovered, it doesn't care when you're dying. It doesn't care what you what you did, who you are, how much money you had in the bank. We all die the very same. And that's why I even kind of believe funerals, I suppose, are powerful in the sense when you go to a graveyard, we're all we're all inside the same piece. None of us will get a bigger piece of uh, ground. And it made me realize how there God went. He went against the tide or Jesus went against the tide. He 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 treated everyone equally. So that's what I was left with. Sister Helen, thank you so much for that. I might just share just a little reflection that I just it just reminded me of something this morning when I read this. I've been in Medjugorje, as uh, people would know, many, many times. And on one of the occasions I was in Medjugorje, I happened to be going out um, with a friend of mine to visit some elderly people uh, way out in the sticks somewhere. And on our way out, we passed around a large roundabout. And on that large roundabout, there was a number of men with tools and bags and so on and so forth just lining up. And I asked the lady, what was this all about? And they said, well, they're actually from outside of the area. They're looking for a day's work. Now, this is about half seven in the morning. We came back in the evening about four o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. There were still half of those guys there. And it just reminded me, when I, when, I, when I just reflected on the gospel this morning, that those guys were still there because they couldn't help it. They were really looking for work. They were there in the heat of the sun all day long, hoping to get a day's work, and it wasn't there for them. It just made me think how lucky and we should thank God for all the blessings we've been given in life. Sometimes we think maybe those guys who were there all day long were really sitting around and really didn't look for work. Well, my experience when I was out in Medjugorje that, that year was these guys were looking for work. They were looking to be able to feed their families. I was fortunate enough to be able to be driven around in a car. They weren't. It's maybe something for us just to reflect on this week, to thank God for all the blessings we've been given. And if we do get a chance to help those who are looking for a day's hiring, then let's give it to them. Shane, I don't know if you want to offer something. You've got about a minute or two. Yeah, just a couple of things that struck me about uh, the Sunday Gospel. One was to pick up again on what Sister Helen there was reflecting on. And for me, this Gospel is often, I, I sum it up by saying it's the abundance of generosity of the love of God. I think is how you would sum it up. And it's a gospel which challenges us to think outside the box. And it links very much back into the first reading from this morning. And we don't often <clears throat> link with the first reading, but the, the last line of it is, the heavens are as high above earth as my ways are above yours, my thoughts above your thoughts. And it's just a reminder to us that <clears throat> sometimes we can't box God in. Um, sometimes that's a danger that we have in terms of our expectations. And we try to put human limitations on the divine. And I think one of the things about this, this morning's gospel is it challenges us on that. The other side of it <clears throat> that it just that struck me about it as well is that we are called to be generous 
in ourselves and in our own time and, and what we do for others and not necessarily to count the cost. Uh, and that's hard. You know, our instinct is, well, actually, you know, a fair day's wage for da- a fair day's wage for a fair day's work. And the other thing that struck me about it was, like your story, John, I've seen um, instances uh, of this where I've seen people, men generally, standing around waiting to be hired for a day's labour. And it was actually in the US uh, when I was there for a summer. And the one thing that struck me about it, like that story, was, you know, we don't know the shoes that a person will walk in in terms of trying to live and support themselves. And we should always be careful about making passing judgments. And, and if anyone has been watching the images that have been coming from Greece recently uh, in relation to the refugee camps on Lesbos Island and the Mariah camp, I don't think, you know, watching women and children and men who have fled their li- fled and transversed the Mediterranean for fear of their lives, you know, you don't make it you don't make a journey like that without real something to push you out of the way. And it's just something for us to consider. There's a lot of talk about migrants and economic migrants and all the rest of it. And I think this morning's gospel calls us and challenges us to be a little little bit generous like the landowner is in terms of uh, what we do and how we react to people and just to be conscious of that and to also, you know, remember that we are called to be as generous to others as God is to us. Shane, thank you so much indeed for that. So that about brings us to the end of our programme this morning. Again, thanks to Sister Helen Coolhan for joining us and sharing those thoughts around bereavement with us this morning. Thanks again, and it was lovely to have you on, Sister Helen. Thank you very much, John, and thank you, Shane. And again, thanks a lot, Shane. We'll we'll try and do it all again next week. We have a different type of a programme next week. Uh, hopefully we'll have a group of people where we're going to chat, um, chat to. But in the meantime, we'll go with the final piece of music this morning. Piece of music... Uh, thought I'd share with people this morning lovely one and this one is sung by the choir of the Hexham Abbey and this one is entitled Here I Am Lord so from myself from Shane and from Sister Helen have, have a good week and please God we'll meet again next week God bless you now bye bye <laughs>